With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> Blog Talk Radio. Oh, welcome everyone to Drive Through HR. It is a uh, Drive Through HR Wednesday today. It's April 21st. I am Robin Schooling, and along with me is my co-host uh, Michael Vandervoort. Hey, Michael. Hey, Robin. I showed up at the last possible second, but I'm here. How are you? I do. I uh, I'm pretty good. I'm uh, we're having a little cold front came through here. Uh, here in the Louisiana, so I'm uh, I'm a little chilled, but I'm kind of liking it. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. You take those when at this point for us, we take them whenever we can get them. And in the Midwest exactly. and the Northeast, it's still snowing a little bit, so I'm not angry about not having to deal with that at all. So, yeah, anyway. no, I wouldn't yeah. be able to to handle that for sure, <laughs> for sure. So. Anyway, so we've got um we've got a good uh, a good show coming up here today that um that I'm looking forward to and um you know, I think our our listeners are going to going to get a lot out of this. So let me um give a hearty drive through HR welcome to our guest today, Annie Lynn, who's the VP of People with Lover. Hi Annie. Uh-oh. Annie. Well, we were just mm-hmm. talking to her. Hello, oh, Annie. Annie, are you there? Hello. Hi. Can there you she is. There she is. Hi. Sorry about that. All right. All right. Oh, not a problem. Not a problem. That's the beauty of live radio, you know, so... Uh, it's a live, it's a live show. So welcome, welcome Annie, and uh, welcome to Drive Through HR. We're glad to glad to have you here with us. Thanks, Robin. Thanks, Michael. It's good to be here. Yeah, yeah. So um, as I, you know, gave a little tease, and obviously we know we know what you do day to day, but um, let's we like to toss kind of the classic uh, horrible HR interview question out and say. Dear Annie, please tell us about yourself. So let our audience know <laughs> yeah. who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm Annie Lynn. I'm the VP of People here at Lever. Uh, it's it's always you know it's always such a joy to to lead a people team at a company that is itself in the people space. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lover, of course. You know, we are a recruiting software, um, a talent acquisition suite, and we help other companies tackle what we think continues to be one of the biggest challenges that organizations face, 
which is attracting and hiring really great talent. Um, so I get to play this very meta role. Uh, my team, you know, does everything from, of course, talent recruiting to HR, workplace facilities, culture, uh, people programs, and everything in between. Great, 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 okay, love it. I had muted sorry. myself. My my dog is going crazy. So I'm going to put myself on mute and uh, let Michael dive in, okay? Okay. <laughs> sorry. So sorry about – sorry, Annie. This is kind of disjointed. We had we had you on or tried to have you on a, a couple weeks back, and it didn't work out. And I don't know why, but it seems whenever something goes awry for the first time, it, it always gets a little clunky. So apologies for this sort of – No, it's all good. Uh, <laughs> so um, I guess let's start with the fact that in addition to what that lever focuses on helping customers maintain diverse talent pipelines, you guys have done a lot of work on diversity initiative inclusions or diversity and, and initiative – Jesus, diversity and inclusion initiatives internally over the years. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the stuff you've done at Lever and maybe give us a couple of cool examples? Oh, man, that list would be extremely long. I'm not sure that we uh, <laughs> necessarily have quite enough time on the podcast uh, to talk about all of it, but I'm happy to give you a couple examples of things that we've done that we are, mm -hmm. we are really proud of, and, of course, we can go into more detail on anything as well. Um, so, I mean, just to start, of course, you know, as a, a software in the recruiting space, we obviously leverage our, our own product. Uh, quite a bit for DEI efforts on the hiring side. Um, so, for example, we use our own diversity insight survey to make sure we're collecting really good data uh, that inform a lot of our DEI-related efforts on the hiring side. And you'll hear me talk about data a lot throughout this podcast because it is something that I'm very, very passionate about. Um, mm -hmm. And then the, the other category that I'll mention is we've been extremely intentional about the way we approach performance reviews, compensation reviews, the way we think about promotions and offers to candidates as well as to internal uh, candidates. And this is an area that's so ripe for unconscious biases. And it's an area that we've done a ton of work to really make sure that when it comes to something, you know, as important as people, how much people are paid, you know, their leveling in the organization, promotion trajectories, et cetera, that really we have DEI built into every part of those programs. Um, so to just to give you a few examples, and this is a topic that I can talk for hours about myself, but uh, <laughs> just to give you a few examples, you know, we use third-party market benchmarks that are objective to inform all of our internal and external competent equity decisions just to make sure that the amounts that we end up offering are both competitive and fair in that, for example, new people are not, don't end up making more money than internal folks doing the same job, which actually I think is something that happens fairly, fairly commonly. Um, mm -hmm. My team does a lot of work um, to check for internal parity 
anytime we have people get raises or we make offers or get promoted. Um, and uh, we train our managers on unconscious bias, particularly doing the performance review process where that can really have an impact. Um, we, my team facilitates org calibrations to make sure folks are using performance skills fairly. And we actually run a pretty uh, pretty sort of regular uh, data analysis to make sure that the results from performance and comp reviews are, are, are truly fair and equitable. Um, mm. Maybe the last category I'll mention because it's, a, you know, maybe top of mind for a lot of folks. Particularly last year, we, we committed to a pretty long set of very concrete actions to support um, the black community in particular at Lever and beyond Lever. Um, and I'm, I'm really proud to say that we've, we follow through on all of them, um, all of those commitments. There's a lot of attention paid to make sure that we didn't just talk about them, but we actually did them. And those included things like the exec team actually match, personally matching donations to nonprofits that support the black community. Um, we mm. actually protected and, and, and carved out an entire day for the whole company to give back to the community. Uh, we uh, diversified our own executive team. We offered uh, discounted rates to our own product, to black-owned businesses. Um, and we've, we've just continued to invest in our, our internal ERGs, employee resource groups as well, which have mm -hmm. uh, for a very long time been a really key pillar um, and, and, and uh, steward uh, in a lot of ways of our DEI uh, efforts. So I'll stop there. Nice. There's a lot more I can say here, but <laughs> yeah, no, I, no, I, I know we've we've done quite a few shows on on different angles on that topic lately, and we actually have somebody scheduled to talk about ERGs next week. Um, there's so hmm. much going on. It's uh, you know, it's it, it, it. I don't know that we can talk enough about it, right? Um, one of, one of the things you said that struck me, uh, you know, your support of the black community. There's been a lot of um, and you can pick any other you can pick any other community as well because um, there's challenges in many 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 places. Um, companies often like to kind of talk about that stuff and talk about how great they're doing or how much they support those ideas, but they don't um, they don't always walk that talk. So it, it sounds like you guys um, you guys put a lot of effort into making sure that you did do that. Can you can you share with us a little bit about like kind of how how that developed and how you lived up to the, the, the bar that you set for yourselves. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely always room to improve for us as well. I, I think in some ways the philosophy that we have always taken, and this is the philosophy that I personally really believe in, um, is that uh, in order for the E&I efforts to actually be impactful, it can't be treated as a separate, isolated set of programs or initiatives. It has to actually be built into core programs, core processes, every part of the employee life cycle. Mm -hmm. And so I think from the beginning, um, and this is what I very much my personal philosophy on more effective DEI efforts as well, um, is that we are not going to prioritize the really flashy things that might be a little bit like sexier <laughs> uh, to talk about, maybe a little sexier to point to, but instead we're going to prioritize the often, quite frankly, very behind the scenes and possibly even, uh, you know, not super visible 
right work um, mm-hmm. that that needs to happen, the hard work that needs to happen behind the scenes to make sure that everything we do, uh, every process we have, every program we run, actually has DEI embedded as a core definition of success, if you will, along with other definitions of success. Cool. Thanks. Robin, it looks like maybe you have Eddie von Schooling under control in your back. Am I, am I guessing correctly? I, uh... <laughs> yes, I have uh, I have corralled and and herded uh, everyone uh, into another part of the house so that the workmen don't bother them. So, um, uh, you know, loving hearing you know a lot of those sort of um, internal things, obviously that you've worked on, and and obviously Lover expands that and uh, takes those conversations externally to to clients and. And, and other folks in the HR and, and TA community, um, I, I want to talk about hiring in, in, in particular. So, let, you know, switching from kind of those internal employee experiences um, and talk about on the, you know, on the candidate and the applicant side, what are some things either that, um, you know, that you're doing at, at, at Lever or some, some programs that you're looking at, um, to determine what are what are the best ways to enact fair hiring practices in an organization and and to tackle those issues around bias, um, you know, what are some tips that that you have for others about how they can focus on that in their organizations? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I'm going to sound like a broken record on this throughout this podcast, <laughs> but uh, we are. <laughs> We are very focused on data, and that's where I usually recommend for people to start um, for DEI as well as other types of initiatives. Um, and the reason, one of the reasons that we focus a lot on data is that is really what will give you more objective, um, comprehensive insights into where you are today and where there may be gaps so that you can actually identify the best places for you to put your effort into and also so that you can measure progress um, over time. And so for us, you know, we use our own products, which is set up in a lot of ways to support mm-hmm. more these types of efforts on the hiring side, right? So I already mentioned the diversity insight survey earlier, um, which is a part of our product. And it's, it's just, a, you know, it's a great way for us to collect anonymous um, diversity-related data that also respects the sensitivity of, of this type of information, right? Um, and so uh, that or, or something like that, I think, is a great place to start, is making sure that you have the right data, you have enough data, obviously keeping it confidential um, to start. And then based on that, it's about looking at that data and really getting a sense of where you are at right now, where you're maybe doing well, uh, where there are room for improvement, um, and then building off of that to talk about where you would like to get to and sort of pushing yourself and setting concrete measurable targets to push your team and hold your team accountable to making incremental progress you know, each month, each quarter, each year, in a way that you can actually measure it, right? I think one thing that's interesting about the DEI space is, um, I think for uh, other types of business initiatives, uh, teams are, are generally very used to setting targets, making it measurable, tracking progress over time. And when it comes to mm-hmm. DEI, for some reason, this seems like <laughs> this seems like a muscle that we that uh, that isn't as natural for folks. And so. 
Um, that muscle is actually very similar to other types of business decisions or improvements that one might make, right? But it's about using data, making sure your data, uh, your data integrity is good, and then using mm-hmm. the data to inform next steps, to inform targets, and to track progress over time. So just mm-hmm. as an example, um, this quarter, as well as some of the previous quarters, um, we have a team OKR as well as a company-wide OKR. So we use OKRs hmm. as our primary goal-setting framework. Um, we have a team and company OKR. That's about a uh, percentage of candidates from underrepresented backgrounds at specific hmm. stages. For us, we set the panel stage uh, of the interview process. So that's just one example of the way that we use data to then determine and actually set concrete goals. Yep. Oh, I love it. love it. Hmm. Um, sorry, the, um, you, you kind of mentioned how some things are, you know, organizations do pretty well and then others are, you struggle with a little bit more. And one of the things that, um, wanted to chat about for a minute in shifting gears here is, uh, gender identity and issues and, and pronouns. And for whatever reason, gender identity and pronouns and, and the, the understanding of why that is important to, to individuals is something that people in the HR community seem to struggle with immensely, as well as other businesses, uh, as well as other management members of management teams. So, um, I know there are companies exploring ways to acknowledge uh, employees' gender identity, you know, with with the appropriate pronouns in many ways, and, and and everything from applications to internal work opportunities. That we had a question where I worked the other day about a badge. Somebody, if somebody could put something on a badge, and then also in text, emails, and Slack, and other places. So, I, I know you've done some work in that area. What's what's our advice there, Annie? That what what kind of stuff are you seeing and happening, and what would you share with our HR listeners? Yeah. Um, so, when it comes to pronouns, I think it's one of those things that seem really simple, seem maybe even really small, but it really is a very powerful way day-to-day to to support people Mm -hmm. from different Mm -hmm. backgrounds with different gender identities. Um, And so we have at Lever tried to include that and uh, express sort of our openness to it in a a bunch of different ways, right? Similar to the philosophy I mentioned earlier of wanting to embed it into every part of our process, um, we have tried to do that into um, our systems into various parts of our processes. So, for example, we encourage people, um, we encourage our employees to put their pronouns into their email signature, into their Slack. Um, it's not a requirement necessarily, but it's something we definitely encourage, and we've seen really strong adoption of this practice. Uh, and again, it's just a, you know it's a simple but really powerful way to remind people that this is important. Uh, and mm-hmm. to, to sort of express our support for it. Uh, in the hiring process, our email templates, um, so the templates that we build off of in a lot of our more standard communication with candidates, in those email templates, we actually explicitly encourage candidates to also share their preferred pronouns with us if they want to. So um, it's obviously totally optional, and we make that clear, but we invite them that if this is something that they would like to do, uh, it is something that we really care about um, and that we want to make sure we're using the right pronouns and being respectful of, of gen- different types of gender identities. Uh, and it's, it's in there also because even if somebody doesn't end up 
um, sharing it with us is still in our communication regularly with candidates to express how important this topic is to us. Yep. Um, and so it's just a couple of examples to show that there are these, these are, there, there are just a lot of opportunities to look at different parts of your processes, different parts of the ways your employees and your candidates and your team might leverage the tools that they have to build more of these intentional uh, efforts around the E&I into each of those steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think the intentionality, if that's a word, I don't know if it is, um, I think the intent of yeah. doing it and how you approach it. And, 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 and I, guess, I, guess, I guess what I've seen, like, for example, I was at a doctor's appointment the other day, and it asked about gender, and they had three choices, and it was male, female, or prefer not to disclose. It, you mm. know, and so, I mean, I don't know if that's an attempt to acknowledge, you know, gen, you know differing gender identities or non-binary identities. Or if it's just saying, you know, we, 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 won't make you tell, we won't make you tell us if you don't feel like it. Um, I, I know that when I see something, uh, you know, a bit more progressive where maybe it, that, you know, it says, you know, transgender or wh- whatever the terminology may be, sometimes they offer three or four or five different um, choices. It seems to me that that, that makes me feel a, a higher level of approval for that company for making the effort, if that makes sense. Um, do you guys, mm-hmm. your customers mm-hmm. in your software systems, do you guys provide those kind of things, or is it customized, or do, do you do you guide your clients in that direction in any way at all? Yeah, so I mentioned, um, I, I guess I mentioned a, a couple of times the diversity insight survey in our product. Um, that is something that uh, surveys like that in our tool is something our customers are able to customize, are able to be flexible to meet what our customers mm-hmm. want. And that level of customization is, is intentional, right? Because uh, we know that different companies might want to set up the way they engage with their candidates on these types sure. of topics in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Makes, makes perfect sense. Well, and, uh, you know, it's so interesting, and, and I think we're going to, end up having to wait, as with many things sometimes, for, uh, you know, the government to catch up with what um, people are doing in their real lives and or in in their business settings. Um, but in terms of, like, reporting and, you know, things like that, I uh, read an article the other day uh, that our, you know, drive through HR friend Kate Bischoff wrote about, um, you know, what are some of the things we can expect through the Biden administration um, and perhaps changes, you know, coming like on the EEO one form finally, and you know, mm-hmm. now there's like this workaround to to determine if you're going to record somebody as non-binary or whatever. Um, so yeah, stuff's got to catch up uh, as always with you know how we're mm-hmm. people are really living their lives, I guess. Uh, yeah, but, for sure. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. So um, I just want to do a real quick reset here of the show. You're listening to Drive Through HR. This is Robin and Michael, and we are talking with our guest, Annie Lynn, VP of People at Lover, and uh, talking about all things kind of DE&I uh, today. So so good convo. Um, you know, we've talked a, a little bit already about data um, and kind of the importance of that, um, uh, you know, and and using the old axiom, of course, what, what gets measured gets done. Um, and that's what helps you turn kind of those words or those goals into actions. 
So from that HR perspective and thinking of all these things we've already talked about uh, kind of along the employee experience, um, what, you know, what's a good way for a business or an HR team to go about determining, determining what they should track, measure, how to set those goals, how to, how to set those OKRs, if that's the framework that, that one is using. Yeah. Um, but how do you pick what's important? Yeah, uh, perhaps not surprisingly, my first response to that is to start with data. Uh, it will give you a sense <laughs> of where you are now and, and, where, and where you want to go. Uh, and, and quite frankly, you know, sometimes your starting point may be to get your data into a better place um, mm-hmm. so that you can make more informed decisions and track decisions moving forward. Sometimes you just don't have very good data and you have to make decisions with incomplete information, and that's okay. But I do encourage folks to try to get the data to a better place over time at least because even if it doesn't, even if it's not uh, good enough to be helpful now, you'll want to get it to be good enough to be, to be informative in the future. Um, yeah. in, in terms of how to set goals around where you want to go, um, there's a couple things that I think about in terms of how to decide on the targets, if you will. Uh, I think one of it is, is where are you today, right? Like making sure your target is actually challenging but also realistic. Um, mm. to where, are, where you are today, and that allows you to make incremental progress over time. That is not to say that you should be ambitious and shoot for the stars. It's more thinking about in order from a practical perspective to get to the stars, you may need to take a couple steps in between, right? So thinking about where you are today mm. and what are sort of the incremental improvements that you can push yourself and your team to get to. Um, we also consider uh, benchmarks. Uh, when we think about where to set our targets and where we want to get to. So when I say benchmarks, that might be industry benchmarks. And then, of course, you have to apply your own judgment on are you trying to just be at industry benchmarks or are you trying to be better than industry benchmarks? Mm -hmm. Um, And on DEI, I think that's pretty relevant because benchmark data uh, often shows that we are not doing very well (laughs) as an industry. (laughs) And so your ultimate goal might be more than just getting to the benchmark. It might be exceeding the benchmark. Right? Um, we also look at um, demographic data about the cities that we operate in. So in the world of COVID, uh, I think geography has taken on kind of an interesting, uh, it has become a in, more interesting factor than it was perhaps before. Yeah. Um, but, you know, one of the, one of the, uh, one of the criteria we considered in deciding what cities to focus a lot of our hiring efforts, what cities to open an office in, you know, what cities to create a hub of employees around, for example, we actually mm-hmm. considered demographic data pretty heavily. Um, hmm. It was one of, you know, a few different factors that we looked at in picking the cities. So just as one example, um, in early 2019, we opened – are we opened another headquarter location, including a physical office in Toronto. Um, and there was a lot of there were a lot of reasons why Toronto was such a clear and obvious fit. You know, Toronto has an amazing local talent scene, amazing local colleges and universities, um, and the, the, both the quantity and quality of talent in Toronto is yeah. really incredible. The other thing that also made the choice really obvious for us to pick Toronto was its focus on diversity. Um, in fact, I think the city's model is diversity, colon, our strength. And I think that just 
kind of sealed the deal for us uh, when we saw that, right? It's not only an, an incredible local talent pool, it's also an incredibly diverse talent pool, and it's a city that really, really values um, diversity. And it's a city that therefore shares a lot of our values as a company, a lever as well. Um, and so, you know, our, our, our focus on, on diversity here has actually affected a lot of decisions that <laughs> uh, yeah. you may not necessarily have expected, including even with cities we set up campus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, and it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's, uh, that's a perfect example, you know. I'm given a, given a, uh, exhortation, I guess, to our, our HR colleagues listening. Uh, that's a perfect example of of HR coming in, being one of the SMEs, sitting with the team to um, arrive at those decisions collectively. You know, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, so believe it or not, this is this always show goes always goes by so fast. We are just about coming up to the end here. We've just got a few minutes left. So, um, Annie, why don't you uh, share with us, um, share with our audience, where folks can find you online? Yeah, I mean, the best place to find me personally is probably LinkedIn. That's a good starting okay. point. Uh, if if you're interested in finding more about Lever, you can obviously go to our website, which is lever.co. Excellent. And I encourage everyone to do that. I, I, I haven't done a Lever, uh, looked at Lever or demoed for a couple of years. I'm probably due to, to do a little exploration again myself. So so that's a, that's a good thing. So um, great show today. Thank you so much to our guest, uh, Annie Lynn, uh, VP of People with Lever. And uh, Michael, any final words from you? No, just other than thank you, Annie, for being on the show, and uh, hopefully we can have you on again sometime down the road. I'd love to hear more about Lever and what you guys are doing. So thanks very much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Well, everybody, that is it for Drive-Thru HR for today and for this week. So uh, have a good day, have a good week, and we are out of here, everybody. Take care. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.